0: Glory to God! Welcome to Gospel Revolution Church. Welcome to everybody watching online. This is the—I've lost count of how many times we've sat to do the group talk. So it's good to be here. It's good to be here with all you guys online. Thank you for coming. Um, it's like the peanut gallery. The peanut gallery's back here. Don't don't think that by sitting back there that you don't have to talk because I will call on you. Something. It's like what it's like what Jesus said to the the disciples that we're going to become the apostles. They're well, they're going to drag you into the synagogues, but don't think about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will quicken your words to you on the spot. So you guys back there that are thinking, well, I haven't had time to think about what I want to say. The Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit knows. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Um, we're going to have lunch after. Um, so we'll begin lunch at like 1130. Becky will sneak away and start getting everything ready. So thank, I, thank, I want to thank everybody that brought food. Mm-hmm. that brought drink, that uh, you didn't just bring food or drink, but you, you brought a little piece of yourself. It's preparing a meal. You know, when when God wanted to, to feed all of us with life, he prepared a meal, and the meal was his lamb, yes. right? And the lamb that he provided was his own body. And so when you bring food, when you prepare food, when you bring food, it's a piece of yourself that you brought with that. Jesus is the meat. Jesus is the meat, and what we brought is the dessert, and and so, man, thank you for bringing food. It's, it's no small thing. It's a piece of yourself. I can't cook food, so I ordered Papa John's. <laughs> Becky did make food, though. Yeah. So thank you guys for bringing food, bringing a piece of yourself. It's like preparing a meal. It is preparing a meal. The gospel is like preparing a meal. And so it'll be good. Um, man, I just want to uh, thank all the people in Holland because they were the inspiration behind me feeling to do this because when I went and sat with those guys in their house, man, they had a, at the end of the, the time together, we met and had like a, a dinner, John prepared a lovely meal. That was fantastic. John is a, a great, um, he's a great man, but he's also a great chef. And um, it was such a good time doing that because at the end of it all, I didn't feel like I had just gone and preached the gospel in some type of uh, conference or center to a bunch of people I didn't know, but it was like I had gained a bunch of friends. It was like I had gained a bunch of family members. Mm. So it's awesome to preach the gospel that we can all be knit together in love through the preaching of the gospel. And it's also very nice to have a meal together Amen. afterwards. So we can share life. We can get to know about each other's life. We can share intimacy with one another. And so all you guys in Holland, thank you so much um you're with us here in spirit even though you're not here physically um to all the people in ireland man we love you guys too and uh i pray you know that um man you guys are our friends we consider you our family also and uh you're part of what we're doing here you're part of us you're part of the body and we just rejoice in all of that i'm trying to think of of what we're doing i don't know if we need these amount we the men's bible study does anybody has anybody talked to jim where's my mom She's nowhere to be seen. Um, we're not very prompt people. That You cannot say that about our fellowship here. We are not a prompt people. Because I think I distinctly recall saying, we're starting at 10 sharp. Yeah. So if you've got stuff to do, come early and do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so guys, I don't know if we're having Bible study tomorrow morning. So we'll we'll try and sort that out um, sometime in between. Um, and it may be the bathroom. It may be because we only have one bathroom. So yes. she's back there waiting in line my dear mother because it's not like my dear mother not to be prompt no she's in children's children's church church. oh okay um we are having wednesday wednesday night yeah i'm trying to figure out if she put question marks so i guess that means she doesn't know either um you don't have to do it babe we'll sort it out we're big boys (laughs) Um, Wednesday night though, we are yeah, meeting. Definitely. So Wednesday night at the Jenkins house and, and this Wednesday night, we won't be chasing puppies. No. And so the puppies won't be making a getaway. <laughs> That's right. So that'll be nice. Hopefully. Oh, okay. Gracie decided it was her time, man. She saw her moment and she blew <laughs> the coop all, all the up. way to the end of the street, all the way to the end of the street. And she found a rat trap with a rat in it and she was after it.
1: <laughs> 15 minutes later.
0: Yeah. Um, Panic, tears, the whole nine year.: The progressions of emotion. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. At first, she's right around here. Yeah. Then, where is she? Oh, she's gone. <laughs> that's right. Yep, that's how it happens. Um, ladies, you guys are meeting Friday morning at 9 30 at, at Linda Sorensen's house. And then um, next Sunday, we will return to our regularly scheduled program. We'll meet back there from 9 to 10. Then we'll have the normal service out here. That'll be the last um, week I preach before I'm gone in Myrtle beach for a couple weeks. I'll be leaving for Myrtle beach, June 21st. It's a Wednesday. Then they're having a, a gathering on the beach, fun in the sun with Jesus, right? Oh. I like the sun. I like the beach and I love Jesus. There you go. So fun in the sun with Jesus. If you're going to be in the Myrtle beach area, come hang out. It'll be awesome. <laughs> then after that, that conference. Um, I'm going to stay behind in Myrtle beach for that next week to the next Sunday and minister to that church, those people there and, uh, preach in their church Sunday. So I'll preach both Sundays cause they got me last at the conference this year. Um, I don't think they knew what to make of me when they had me first, right? All the fireworks went off at the beginning. So they made me last now. So I'll have both Sundays. Um, so if you're going to be in Myrtle beach, if you're out there, come hang out. It'll be a great time. Um, you can find the the information on my Facebook page, or you can reach out to me. I mm-hmm. think that that's that's all. We're happy to have Denise Walker back here. Glory to God, Denise. We're glad that you're here and smiling Gosh, and and, and feeling God. better, and we're glad everything went well. And everybody can just yeah. keep praying um, for Denise <laughs> that that cancer is not alive. It's dead. It's passing away. It's been destroyed by the power of the incorruptible life that's in Jesus and that life that's dwelling in Denise. So you guys can just keep praying um, in lines with that, that Denise is not one with the cancer. Denise is one body with God through Jesus
2: Christ. That's
0: who she's one with. right? And so we'll just keep praying that and knowing that life is in her, and that that mortal body will be quickened and animated with the spirit of life. Amen. Glory to God. Um, I think that's it, though. So we'll begin. So what do you guys want to talk about? Jesus. 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 <laughs> Jesus be the center of it all. Right? That's a prophetic word right there. Jesus. What do you want to talk about? Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm going to let you guys... Uncomfortable silences aren't uncomfortable for me anymore, so I'll let you guys think for a second about what you might want to talk about. It might be a question. It might be a statement. It might be a rebuke. Who knows? If somebody online has a question or a statement, you're also welcome to type it in there, and Becky will read it.
3: I thought Gwen had a nice thing on Facebook where she said, at one time, I believed I had God's favor. And that was all fine when things were going well and good. But when things went upside down, I said, where's my favorites? Yeah. Where's God? And then she went on to explain, um, it's not about the circumstances. I thought we could start there. Well,
0: what do you what do you have to say about that?
3: Um, that it uh, it's about eternal life. It's about the truth of who we are in eternal life, and those circumstances are from the world. And if we look to those to give us joy, give us peace, uh, they seem to be there for a very short time, and then you need more where um, the peace surpasses all understanding conquers circumstances.
4: Who's here? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Gwen is talking about how she got a new song in her heart. Right? The song used to be, My God, My God, Why Have You Forsaken Me? Right? And then the song became, He hath not abhorred the affliction of the afflicted one, neither is his face hid from him, but he hears him when he cries out to him. Yeah, isn't it interesting? So, why do you think that whenever we see hard times, because this is the crux of the gospel, this is the faith that came, why is it that when we experience hard times, we tend to hear a voice that says, where's your God now? Are you really the son and daughter of God? Is God really your father? Does he really love you? Let him come for you now, which is... To say, where is he if he loves you? Why do you guys suppose that that's the voice that we hear?
5: Because the more vulnerable you are, the easier the lies are to speak in and believe and give it to you.
2: But also, when that happens, you feel God coming down and just wrapping his arms around you. Mm-hmm. You may not hear anything, but you can feel that you know, lies fighting in your ear. It's just. Round
0: out. Yeah, yeah. There was a spirit of fear that entered the earth when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and brought death into the earth. Guys, I, ho- I hope you know that that spirit of fear didn't come from God. And so that spirit of fear, it's a word. A spirit is a word, right? It's called the spirit of life, the spirit of truth. And so there was a word that entered the earth that started declaring something about God that filled us all with fear and made us think that the death was a sign, God wasn't there. That tribulation was a sign, God wasn't there. That darkness was a sign, God wasn't there. And that's one of the things I loved about reading Gwen's uh, post, because it basically highlighted the mind of Adam, which is kind of what we talked about the other day, if things are going good for you, you don't hear the voice telling you God's not there, do you? No. We don't stop and think about these things, but that, that's how me and God get down. I think about him with all kinds of things. Well, why don't we hear the voice that, that says God's not there when things are going good? I mean, do we ever think about that? Why is it only when things are going bad that we hear the voice that God's not there? And then what happens if we become persuaded that God really isn't there? Mm. Because Paul would come and say, we haven't been given the spirit of fear again unto bondage. Meaning that spirit that came into the earth that told us God wasn't there, guess what? It didn't come from God. First John would later come and say that there's no fear in God. You guys know how it says there's no fear in God? So if there's no fear in God then how could the spirit of fear that came into the earth that told us, where's your God now? That He's not with you. That He doesn't love you. That you're left as an orphan to clothe yourself. Why did we ever think that voice was true or that that voice came from God? Because God doesn't have fear in Him. So He doesn't have the spirit of fear to give you. Right. Because we don't know that. How can they hear? Yes. Faith comes by Hearing. Hearing. I'm glad you said that. And how can they hear unless there's a preacher? Right. You know, Jesus is God preaching. It says faith came. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word. The word of Christos, the word of God. And so faith came into the earth through Jesus. Jesus is God preaching the gospel, right? So how could we know? That death wasn't a sign, that God wasn't with us unless a preacher could come. And who is the preacher that came? The Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he do? He entered into the middle of the death that we all concluded is a sign God is far from us. That we all concluded meant that God wasn't there. Isaiah 53 would come and say that we hid, as it were, our faces from Jesus Mm -hmm. and that we concluded that it was God. And so God come to try to tell us, just like he told Adam, who told you? Because yeah. Adam means mankind. And just like Adam was filled with fear and shame from the spirit of fear from the death he saw in his own body, now that he ate from the tree, and he looked at that death, he judged the death to be evil, then he judged God to think he was evil, and that God wouldn't hear him if he cried out to him. So then he got busy trying to clothe himself. Right. And then God shows up and says, who told you? Who told you my face was hid from you? Who told you I abhorred you? Who told you that I had forsaken you and you were left to clothe yourself? Who told you? And so God come to preach the same thing to mankind that he preached to Adam in the garden. When he showed up and says, who told you? And then he clothes upon Adam. He does the same thing with Jesus at the cross. Jesus on the cross is the word made flesh. There's a word being made flesh. There's a faith that's being declared. And that faith is trying to declare to all of us that right in the place where we think God isn't there, because we judge death to be a sign that God isn't there, right when we make that judgment, there's God. How do we know there's God? Because what did Jesus say? Father, into your hands I commit my life. Listen, You don't call out to somebody you don't see. And so there mankind was concluding that Jesus was smitten and stricken by God. And that this cross is a sign. God's far from him. But Jesus comes and blows that up because he says, Father, into your hands I commit my life. And then what happens? God does what? Raises Jesus from the dead. And it says a great light shined in the midst of the people who were dwelling in darkness. What darkness were we dwelling in? You know, the darkness is called the valley. The earth is called the valley of the shadow of death. Death. It says the earth is shadowed by death. Death caused darkness to dwell in the earth. And you know what the darkness was? It's that God isn't with us. He's abandoned us. Look, and we were living by the death and the death had become our sign Mm -hmm. that God wasn't there. And then Jesus comes to preach the faith to us. He is the Father preaching the faith, which faith is. I have not abhorred you in your affliction. Who told you? My face is not hid from you. I will hear you when you cry out to me. And how do we see the Father preaching that through Jesus? We see Jesus crying out to God, don't we? And then what do we see happen to Jesus after he cried out to God? God came and picked him up out of the grave and raised him up and exalted him to the right hand of the Father, his right hand, and clothed him in an incorruptible life that could never be touched by sin or death again.
1: Mm -hmm. That's the
0: preaching of the faith. Which faith is God is with you? You ever wonder why Jesus is called Emmanuel? God with us. Why did we need to see God was with us? Because we didn't think he was here. (laughs) Nobody was calling upon the name of the Lord, it says. Do you know why? Because we had a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear that we had came from the death that entered by one man, Adam. You know what that spirit of fear told us? Where's your God now? Look at the death. Look at your nakedness. Look at your inability to clothe yourself with life. God has abhorred you. This is a sign that God despises you. You know, the scripture says that we forsake God, not that God forsakes us. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yet, when we forsake God, and because we've forsaken God, we find ourselves in death, do you know what the carnal mind comes and does? It's He's forsaken us. (laughs) And it's like Adam. When God comes to ask Adam, when Adam's naked, did you eat from that tree? It's that woman you gave me. That's right. You see how he blamed the woman and he blamed God. It's still going on. It's still, yes, because the carnal mind is still in the earth. Yeah. So mankind forsook God, and I don't know if you guys realize, God's the only one who has life. So if you forsake life, you know what you're left with? Death. death. God doesn't have to give you the death. If you reject life, you're left with death. So we reject it. life as a free gift, we find ourselves in death, and then we think the death we have is on account of God. Mm -hmm. And then we create all these doctrines around the death we see, which doctrines say God isn't with us, he abandoned us, he doesn't hear us, his face is hidden from us. Do you guys realize the Lord Jesus is God being born in the earth? It's Emmanuel. Does that sound like a God whose face is hid from you? Was there anybody that wasn't dead in sin when Jesus was born? So there we all are, dead in sin, and yet God is born in the earth. Sure sounds like the face of someone shining on people. And what did this God do when he was born into the earth? Did he walk around smiting people? No. Did he walk around imputing sin to people? No. He walked around forgiving sin, didn't he? Yeah. He walked around sending sin away from people, sending death away from people, sending the weakness that came upon people because of sin away from them. You know what he's d- thus demonstrating? I'm not the one punishing for you for your sin. I'm here to heal you from your sin. That changes the song in your heart. from my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? he has not abhorred the affliction of the afflicted one, neither is his face hid from him, but he hears him when he cries out to him. That's called the spirit of adoption. Mm -hmm. The spirit of adoption catches you up into the life of God. It strengthens you with the grace that comes from God's life. And do you know how it does that? It heals your blindness and it shows you God there with you. And then when you see God there with you, do you know what you do? You call upon the name of the Lord. And do you know what it means to call upon the name of the Lord? What it means is, when you look at that in the Greek, I've said it a million times, but it always bears repeating because it's like God showing up to the hospital to claim you as his own. Mm. That word, call upon the name of the Lord, that phrase in the Greek, it means to allow another to surname you. Like when all you guys had kids, what'd you go do? You went and signed a birth certificate, didn't you? And what were you doing when you signed the birth certificate? you were claiming those children as your own To call upon the name of the lord means to allow one to surname you do you know what that means you see god there calling you his child and when you see god there showing up to call you his son or his daughter when you see god showing up there to claim you do you know what it means he ain't ashamed of you he ain't ashamed to call you his own he's not ashamed of your nakedness how many of you were ashamed of your children when they were born naked <laughs> how many of you thought there's something wrong with this baby it wasn't born with clothes on
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: how many of you thought that we, listen we have all these natural natural examples which are nice but we, we struggle to connect that to the gospel and see how they they speak it more than just a natural example. Well, neither was God ashamed of us because of our nakedness. Neither was he ashamed of us when we were trying to clothe ourselves because he knew it was good to be clothed. He just saw that now we were thinking he wouldn't clothe us, that he wasn't there to clothe us. He saw a spirit of fear had come into the earth, which means it blinded us to the goodness of God towards us. It blinded us to God with us to clothe us even though we were dead in sin because we saw our sin. And we saw our deadness, and we were ashamed of ourselves, and then we concluded he must be ashamed of us too. You know, if you're ashamed of yourself, you ever notice how you transpose your beliefs about yourself onto other people? You ever notice that? And you just live in assuming everybody else is thinking the same thing about you that you are? They're not. (laughs) They're not. The Bible would come with a verse that says, Beloved, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. If you stand with the condemned heart like Adam did, do you know what that verse is saying? You're gonna assume that God feels the same way about you that you were feeling about yourself. So Adam was condemning himself because look what he did and look what he's left with. And he transposed those beliefs onto God. And now he's assuming God is also thinking that. And we've all done it. Like when I was a little kid, a judgment from the the carnal mind came into my life. And you know what it told me? You're too intense. You're too much for people. Right? Well, I believed it was true. I really did. I believed it was true. And do you know what started happening? I started assuming everyone believes it's true. And then you start deciding for people what they believe. And then you start relating to people as if they're believing the same thing about you that you are. That's called living by offense. The word offense means to stumble at the truth. You stumble at the truth about yourself. You take on a judgment about yourself that cometh not from God. And you didn't hear the voice of God say, who told you? I promise you this. God didn't come sit down next to me on that playground and say, Greg, it's true. You're too much for people. (laughs) God didn't come and sit next to me and say, Lord, Greg, I can barely handle it. What are we going to do? That's what offense really is. See, we judge getting angry with people as offense. No, no, we get angry with people because we've already stumbled at the truth about ourselves, and we've taken on a judgment about ourselves that never came from above. And then we live by that judgment when we interact with people in the earth. And then when we read those judgments into the people we interact with in our relationships, we become offended by them or with them because we think they're believing these things about us. I remember when we first started the church. What's up, babe? Well, when we first started the church. Now I completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, I know, but I'm right in the middle of of trying to, to, to wrap this. It's not your fault. It's my fault when we first started the church and somebody came and told me that i was too much for people do you think i walked away thinking ah who cares glory to god i'm not their cup of tea no do you know what i did what's wrong with that you see i had a negative judgment about it well who says it's negative maybe i'm just too much it's just in passing and I would encourage all you guys to hear that voice in your own life right now, because I promise you, that's common to all people. The world has tried to give all of us a word about our, all of our lives. And it's used trauma, and it's used, it's used good times, too, to try to assign a judgment to us that we take into our heart, never hearing the voice of God, who told you, right? And then we interact with the world around us based on those judgments and we never even realize it. And then we can get so upset with people, right? And we can get so hurt by people and so offended by people. And none of that stuff's even going on. None of it's going on. Listen, guys, I promise you, don't take this the wrong way. Most people are just trying not to drown in this world. Most people are so involved with their own life and trying to keep their life from being destroyed that they're not thinking that deeply about you. You are not the center of everyone's universe. Don't take that the wrong way. It doesn't mean you're not valuable. You don't need to be the center of everyone's universe. you know why? You're the center of God's universe. Then that's enough. But just who told you? Go, go home today and think about that with something in your life that you believe about yourself, that you've decided is true about you. I'm just. How many of us have said, I'm just, and then fill in the blank afterwards? I'm just this way, and then fill in the blank afterwards. We'll stop for one second and think that God tell you that. Yeah. Because I promise you, we run down, we're judgment machines. We're all the time judging everything. You guys are judging me right now. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean a negative thing. It just means you're deciding what you think about what's happening. And so we're judgment machines. And we tend to run down the road with all of our judgments and all of our conclusions. And then we just assume they're true. We just live as if they're true. I mean, I've decided things about my sweet wife there that were never true and you go on living as if they're true and you think you have evidence and then you hear god who told you (laughs) but what about who told you and then you stop and you think my goodness she did you think she did but she did not right so Hear the voice of God and recognize that. We don't want our lives to be born from our own judgments about things. You guys were never created to live your life judging everything and then living by your own judgments. We were never created to live that way. We were created to hear the judgment of God. Yes. Right? And then we would live by his judgment. Right. That's what we were created for. But the world has come with all of its judgments about our lives and tried to shape our lives with those, shape our relationships with the, by those things right billy
3: this is this you know we we've all heard that we're wretches, okay the truth is um we're like heather's beautiful baby right there yeah that's how our dad sees us it actually gives me goosebumps that um my that can you imagine baby crying and heather going oh i don't care (laughs) no our dad cares too just like that we're his children
0: yeah And that, oh, wretched man that I am, that's the voice that comes from the spirit of fear. You see your life. You see death or darkness around. You feel like a wretch, and you think God also thinks you're a wretch. The Lord Jesus Christ entered into the earth and blew that up. Because I promise you, the Father didn't think Jesus was a wretch when he saw Jesus naked on the cross. How do we know the Father didn't think Jesus was a wretch? Because he showed up and clothed upon him, claiming Jesus as his son. This Paul the Apostle Paul says that Jesus was proven to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the Spirit the Father's Holy Spirit. Maurice,
2: I was just thinking about, uh, you know, when, when you think about the Lord and if he didn't despise us in our nakedness. And what the clothing might have meant to him in regard to clothing us if he didn't despise us in our sin. Because if he despised us in our sin, he would say, I need to clothe these people because I despise them in their nakedness. But if he didn't, what did the clothing mean to him? Mm. And what I was thinking is, what is clothing for? It is to provide warmth and comfort and protection and of uh, beauty that's what that's what clothing does to a person that's why we put clothes on that's why we put nice clothes on because it protects us it warms us and it pres- provides beauty for us so in in God's mind I believe that that's what he was looking to give to man those things and in man's eyes it provided him a testimony about God that he cared to clothe them and provide warmth and comfort and beauty for them yes and
0: faith came into the earth that's right by the Lord Jesus yes. which you just said I well,
3: was speaking to the clothes when it said he clothed them in coats of skin the next time that word coat is used guess where the next time that word coat is used in the Bible of yes. many colors so to many colors, and then guess where the next time she's talking about the high priest's garments that would be
0: for glory for honor yeah to be able to stand in the presence of God yeah. blameless yeah. right in the presence of God and listen, God never despised man for their sin do you know what God despised he despised that sin was making man forsake him right. and that sin was making man blind to his his presence and his goodness there he despised that and why would he despise that because it left us dying right how many of you like it when your children are dying you all hate it don't you and something inside of you would you would do anything to stop it from happening and you would despise anything that was killing your kids where do you think we get that from does somebody had to teach you that does somebody had did you guys have to take a class you guys that are parents did you have to take a class that told you you need to be very upset if something hardens your children's lives. <laughs> you just knew it. You just felt it on the inside. Well, man, when we, re- when we have these things, listen, Paul, Paul come and said that creation makes the invisible things of God visible. Well, we ought to connect. Not Don't just sit there and think that's how I feel. But man, you can know God in that place by way of experiencing the same thing he experienced. And you could see, I feel this because this is what God felt. And now you could start understanding God on a much deeper, more intimate level because you could start realizing, well, so, no one taught me this. That means it's inherent. Well, I'm the image of God. And so that's why, right? What's who's what's going on online?
4: Um, they said that they listened to Wednesday's Bible study and found a discussion about ministry and lightning. Um, I don't know if you could explain 2 Corinthians 5.18. One scripture I hear a lot used to confirm, confirm ministry on all. 2
0: Corinthians 5.18? I don't, I think that's... Maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't think that that verse. Let me see. In all... Am I on the right? I am. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Right, so for those of you that weren't there on Wednesday night, we were talking about the the ministry gifts. And how Paul said in Corinthians, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all pastors, are all teachers, are all evangelists? And he says no, right? And he says that he gave gifts unto men, some pastors, some evangelists, some prophets, some apostles. And he says that he gave those gifts for the perfecting of the saints for them to do the work of the ministry, right? And what we were talking about is is the modern day church has put a heavy yoke on people because it's tried to tell every people they're supposed to be ministering. And they don't allow some people to be hands, or fingers, or noses, or hair, or legs. They try and make everybody a preacher. But the Bible doesn't say that everybody's a preacher. Not everybody is supposed to be out there trying to minister the gospel to people. That's not how it's supposed to work. Ask them online, or they're listening right now. So whoever asked that question, if you could explain to me why you see verse 18 as speaking to everybody, must minister cuz that's not what i read there and so it's difficult for me to to ask that that question and i'll just exp- explain the verse cuz i don't see that verse is talking about people ministering. He's just talking about the ministry, the body of Christ has been given, or the ministry that's come to people is one of reconciliation. And then it describes what it is. So he's declaring a ministry. He's not telling people that they have to go minister. And the ministry he's declaring is that we see God preach the gospel to us, which is to wit, God was in Christ. God himself was in Christ. And you notice it's funny. He says God was in Christ where? On the cross. Yes. Because that's where God was reconciling the world to himself. But I thought that God forsook Jesus on the cross. So how could God be in Christ and forsaken Christ? Can't. 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 Not possible. We don't realize we believe things that are a contradiction that cause us problems in our lives with God. Because if you believe two things that are polar opposites and they're both dwelling in you, do you know what it leaves you like? A ship tossed to and fro with every wind that comes into your life. Try doing anything with two opposing beliefs. I mean, our brother Earl here, he's working on his car a lot. Imagine working on your car if you had two opposing beliefs about what you needed to do to work on that car. <laughs> Wouldn't work out real well, would it? Nope. Most people don't get anywhere in their lives with God because they're believing things that are polar opposites and they don't realize it. So God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's the ministry that the body of Christ has right now that doesn't mean everybody in the body of christ must be out there preaching like i said um, wednesday night there's some hands there's some feet there's different members in a body just like we have a torso we have a thigh we have a calf we have a foot we have mouths we have necks right god sets the body as members now there could be certain members in that body that have a ministerial gift and those gifts aren't more valuable than the other gifts But then you have other people in the body that maybe their gift isn't to stand up and preach publicly, right? I mean, how many of you guys have heard Marie preach nonstop in the meetings? I mean, Marie's in most all of the meetings since the time we started. She's in all of the meetings. She's listening. But you don't hear Marie preaching all the time. Do you know what Marie supports, Becky and I, emotionally? She's supportive of the church financially, prays. Right, So she's part of the body, and she's part of the preaching, even though she herself isn't preaching. Why? Because she's coming alongside the other part of the body that is preaching, and out of the other part of the body that is opening their mouth all the time. I'm the mouth of the South. Do you know what's happening? Do you know what's coming out of my mouth? The ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Right. But how could I do that if there wasn't a body that came together right, and supported the ministering of the word? And I say it a lot not in the the scope of doctrines about ministry, but I say it a lot that there's a word that's coming out of this place, right? There's a word that's coming out of this body. When I go to Holland and to Switzerland and Ireland and Myrtle (laughs) Beach and uh, Tulsa and I go to all these places, there's a word that's coming out of me when I go. Well, that word has come together through all of us, gathering, Right. right? And so the ministry of reconciliation comes out of the whole body of Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. The church has been given a ministry. It's been given a ministry of reconciliation. But there's many different members inside of that church And some members might be in helps. Some members might be more administrative. Some members might love to pray for people. Other members might be discerners of doctrines and discerners of the spirit of prophecy. And so they're preaching more, right? But the church is ministering one word together, right? Like you see the apostles in the book of Acts, they were busy doing all the helps ministry. And they stopped and they said, well, we've got to be given to the word. To the studying of the word and to prayer and to the preaching of the word. So what did they do? They set up people to take on those helps ministries. But what about those people? Why don't they need to be given to the word and the ministering of the gospel? It sure seems like a contradiction to what we've been taught today. Because those people are in the body of Christ and are helping the preaching of the word to go forth, even though they're not the ones preaching. Do you see yeah. And that's how the body's supposed to work. Well, what we've come and done is put a heavy yoke on everybody as if they must be a minister. Everyone must now be a mouth. You need to be knocking door to door. You need to be a mouth. <laughs> and you know what we've done by doing that? we sent a bunch of people out trying to teach the gospel that don't really understand the gospel Amen. <laughs> and really shouldn't be preaching the gospel. Amen. And now we've confused a whole lot of people about the gospel. I mean, there's a proverb that says, teach a child up in the way that they should go, and they shall not depart from that way. Well, when I look out into the body of Christ in the modern world, do you know what I see all the children doing? Departing from the way. Yeah. And do you know why I see them departing? Because they were never really taught the way. That's right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be departing. Right. But the body of Christ has been so ingrained in the traditions of man instead of the truth that's from above that we can't even look at ourselves and say, well, we must not have taught our children the right way. Otherwise, they'd all be departing. We're doubling down on the wrong way. Yeah. Right? Right. And one of the reasons is, as we put this heavy yoke on people, we've taken this doctrine that doesn't exist, the doctrine of, "Go ye into all the earth," and we don't see what Jesus was saying to those apostles there, and we put that on everybody as if every person's supposed to do that, right? It's not so. Otherwise, why would Paul say, "Are all apostles or all pastors or all teachers or all evangelists or all prophets?" He says, no, right? One of the problems we got in the body of Christ is we think people who have one of those gifts are more valuable than a person who has a help gift. Mm -hmm. They're not. He even comes and says, the carnal mind that would judge these gifts to be no importance at all and these members to be less valuable, the gospel would come and judge those members to be exalted and even more valuable, Mm. right? And so we got this idea that if you're an apostle, you somehow carry some greater honor than a person who's greeting at the door. Well, who told us that? It's not God. And so now we got everybody and their mother want to show up in church and heal how they're a prophet (laughs) or they're an apostle or they're a prophetess or or they're this. Why? Because we think those people are more special. I remember in the the church that, that Becky and I were part of, and this is not to despise that church. It's not these people's fault that started the church. Their gift was missions. But Becky and I, man, we felt judged all the time because we weren't quitting our jobs and starting some ministry. But do you know who was paying for all the ministry that those people were doing? Becky and I. (laughs) Well, weren't we then partakers of the ministry of reconciliation? Yes. Even though we weren't speaking? Yes. Yes, we were. But I promise you, in that church, because there was this idea that the ministerial gifts were the most valuable, everybody wanted one, and everybody wanted to come to church that day and have the pastor tell them about how they're the next apostle. You've been given a powerful apostolic gift. You're a mighty prophet in the eyes of, like in the the sense of Elijah, right? And then it was all, we were all puffed up not knowing it. We really loved God, but we were taught things that were carnal. And now we were living carnally. And now we thought our value is if we could be an apostle or if we could be a prophet or if we could be a teacher. Listen, man, that your value is found in that God's called you son or daughter. It's not found in what you can do for him or what your gift is. right? Right. I mean, those of you that are parents understand that. Your children might have different gifts. Which one of them do you love more than the other one? You don't. Why? Because you see them as part of yourself. You see they come forth out of me. Well, that's what God sees about all of us, right? It's carnal when you think that way, right? Right. Paul would come and say, when he saw the division in the church that some were claiming Peter and some were claiming (laughs) Paul, right? And the reason they were doing that, is because they thought whatever blessing had manifested in their life had come from those people. Mm -hmm. And Paul would come and say, one might plant and one might water. So maybe I came and planted, but it took you two years, and then Peter comes along and says something, and you were healed. And now you think the power was Peter, so you're claiming Peter. Listen, man, one might plant, one might water. It's God who giveth the increase. Whatever increase you've had in your life, you might feel love towards a person, that pointed you to God, but don't get it twisted. It is not that person. It's God who gave the increase. Right. And that's how you don't end up with division, right? right? It's God who give it the increase. Maurice.
2: I was just going to say, because you know my experience in, in churches and stuff, I understand why people have a difficulty understanding uh what is being spoken of here. And, basically what i'm going to share ain't no different than what you you're saying here but there are churches who have people doing things cutting the grass and uh putting lights up and doing construction work and stuff like that and listen those things are like something that is like nice to do for the church if you belong to a church but that is not really what a spiritual gift is and we are given spiritual gifts so what happens is we live in this either or society either everybody's a minister or just one person's a minister and then so we set up hierarchies but that's not how it, it is we all have the ministry of reconciliation but that doesn't mean that we're all a preacher or that we all have specific gifts to do uh we do all have specific gifts we do all have gifts but we're not all preachers
4: right
2: so you can exist in function in a body and have spiritual gifts not the gift to cut grass The gift, anybody <laughs> can cut the grass okay and anybody Be made to cut the grass. I was out there picking the grass today. If you ain't cutting the grass, you're not doing your job, you're not being a part of the body. That's that is not what the gifts are. The gifts are spiritual in nature, and when you have the spirit of God, you have a testimony of eternal life within you. So that when someone asks you of the hope that exists in you, you have something to share with them. Yeah, the life that is in you. So it's not that we don't have a spiritual ministry we all do but we're not all uh mouth, mouth pieces yep. you know it's basically the same thing Greg's saying but the confusion comes in when you go to churches who say your gift is cutting the grass
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> where's that don't in believe. Corinthians don't believe where's that in first Corinthians 12.
2: churches don't say that okay so I just want to share that. No. It'll give you a personality profile. Hold,
0: hold, hold on. Let's give me one second. Yeah. I, I just want to wrap that up because Paul lists the gifts, the gifts, the word of wisdom, a word of yeah. knowledge, okay. a gift of healing, and he runs down this long list of things. So you could be playing a role in the church, whether it be helps or whether it be all these things, and you could still have one of these gifts that would manifest. And to the point that not everyone's a teacher, which was where I was about to go, but Maurice added that. Every single Christian has a testimony about why they're filled with hope. And there could come a time where somebody in the world asks you, why aren't you filled with fear? Why aren't you stressed out about what's going on around you? And you could give a testimony. I sent Maurice Maurice a video of the the (laughs) softball team and they just won the national championship and they won it three years in a row. And the ESPN guy asked them how they do it and how they stick together and how they find joy. And all three of them went on to testify about Jesus. So somebody asked them, why are they this way? And then they were ready. And you know what every single one of them said? Christ is my life. That's right. right? And yes, so Christ. that's different than you must go out and, and con- accost people in the world. That's right. Right? Sure. Yeah. Thomas. Oh, I've been thinking since the beginning of this
5: conversation about the concept, concept of an echo. And it's uh, it's as if, not as if, I believe one way of describing what happened is that God spoke through Jesus and that has been echoing through everybody who heard it all along. And uh, if you think of it that way, you can take no credit for the echo. You can take no, and and there's no responsibility to make that go happen. Right. The echo happens. And we were in a church, along the lines of this discussion, we were in a church where, you go to a class, you find out what your gift is, and then you pick up, you know, there's a list of tasks that have to be achieved, and you try to match it up. And I thought, like, this is ridiculous. It was so stupid. Uh, I could, and I said, I'm not picking anything. It was just <laughs> That's true. But, uh, you know, and, and this, you hear the term echo chamber. Mm-hmm. it's almost like a negative connotation like these people don't open open anything they're just an echo chamber well we're kind of in an echo chamber right here but that's a good thing if it's a truth that's echoing right right. so other people were in an echo chamber too because a a different word was spoken into the world world but satan yeah the word he spoke is that you're alone and you've got to create life by your own effort and that's been echoing also yep okay and uh I listened to your mom's message twice. I thought it was really good yeah. last week. And I was, I think more in terms of the person on the street who isn't in this echo chamber, who isn't exposed to the truth. How is it that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, word of Christ? How is that? How does that happen? What's the mechanism? I mean, I can imagine someone saying, well, they turn on the TV. Ah, I heard that. Click mm-hmm. off. Oh. you know, I heard that. It didn't do anything for me. I heard that. You know, that's not the hearing we're talking about here. And I was thinking that well, you don't really understand how if you take uh, nutrition into your body, do you really? I mean, I was thinking, what's the extent of my understanding of that? Okay, I chew it up, it goes to my and they got some enzymes, they do something, and it helps me. <laughs> that's about how simplistic my understanding of how something can go into my body, change my body and benefit my body right and the opposite's also true or the converse is true you can have junk food for example or a toxin or a poison go into your body well i think the same is true with the word that you hear you can have the word go into you and it can bring out if it's the word of satan it can produce death and if it's the word of god then it produces life and so for someone who's listening to this conversation, they have no idea what we're talking about. And these terms, they, they don't even know the difference between the Old and New Testament. Or they don't, they, maybe, maybe they don't even know what the Bible is. Or maybe they have a concept of a Bible and they think the first thing that comes to mind when they hear Bible is a Bible thumper. And who's someone who just wants to cram something down their throat. Well, what what, 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 what would I say to that person who has who has uh, who, who's been poisoned? has been poisoned by the word of the world, I would say, well, just give it time and keep listening to the word of Christ Mm -hmm. and let the truth do its own work in you. And then eventually what you're going to hear is this echo, and it's going to be a voice that you actually recognize. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, the sheep know my voice. Yep. There's going to be something in you. Some of you may have heard this expression. Um, your knower knows right. There's something in you That knows There's something in you that In retrospect you can describe using These words that you were never used to Using before you can say Oh that's what it means that God Planted eternity in the heart of man Yes There's a desire innate desire For everyone To live and not die To live and not die mm-hmm and i found myself thinking more about immortality than ever before well i guess if i really tried to trace it back i could probably link it to oh i heard i heard a description of eternal life in terms of immortality when i used to think of eternal life i think of pre gift of God. God has eternal life. Alpha and Omega. No beginning, no end. When I use, when the term immortality was introduced in the discussion in my heart, there's mortality. There's immortality. This body is wasting away. It's mortal. There's immortality. It's going to live forever. There's something about that that gives me a different angle on the on eternal life that is just encouraging. And when you when you dwell on and what's echoing in you is immortality, then the things of this world that used to bug the hell out of you grow strangely dim and just don't seem to have the same effect on you by no effort of your own. Right. Because this word of Christ is echoing uh, in us. And uh, everybody who has the life of God in them has the echo of Christ that can come out of them in, in words, actual spoken words, audible words. Or in actions, or simply there's a peace in that person. I, they just look at peace. I, they, 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 their house burned down, and and they just have this peace. What what's going
0: on there? That doesn't match up. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants their life to be cared for. And so, regardless of what we might get into in any one of these meetings, it's not our words or whether people understand our English words that would minister to them anyway it's the Holy spirit. And if a person is in their heart already crying out to be cared for, they've heard clearly in everything we've said here today about how God is with them to care for their life and that it means that he's showed up to claim them. And they, out of just what's said today, even though we could get into these doctrinal matters, they could call upon the name of the Lord, because if they're wanting it, if they're wanting their life to be cared for, if they're poor in spirit already, right, they're going to be crying out to the father. (laughs) But we don't want to, Matt, explain, talk about what we're talking about with ministry. And not every person has been commanded to go ye in the sense that we've been taught. Talk about that in respect to not making uncircumcision available.
6: well i mean right so if like you, you pretty much summed it up already it's but in i come out of word of faith and it was like that was you know the the guy behind the pulpit he was at the top of the ladder and that was the vision of success you know because you know he's first off he's preaching this prosperity gospel and <laughs> He sees all this prosperity, quote, manifesting in his life, but it was coming from all of us is where it was coming from. <laughs> and and so you aspire to do this and they set up this culture where in order for you to be valuable, like he's valuable, then you've got to climb the ladder. And he, and he, he establishes rules within that culture as to what it takes for you to climb up the ladder. And it all has to do with honoring the gift and everything. So... So, you know, you're you're honoring the gift for the purpose of climbing the ladder, but in reality, you're not really honoring the gift. What you're doing is you're doing what you think you have to do because you want his spot on the ladder. Yeah, and you should
0: never really even honor the gift. You should be honoring the father. The the whatever gift mm-hmm. you see shouldn't be pointing to a person. It yeah. should be pointing to God, where you'd be thinking much of God and not thinking much of the person or the gift. But what I was talking about with that with with not making <coughs> uncircumcision avail. We don't want to hear what I'm saying about ministry from the carnal mind and use it as an excuse to not minister. We're not trying to find an excuse not to minister, right? We're not trying to make uncircumcision avail, right? It isn't physical circumcision that justifies you. Well, neither is it physical uncircumcision that justifies you, right? So in saying what we're saying, we're just making a thing straight. We're not now trying to make people think that there is no ministering. Right. Or there aren't any ministering gifts. But what there is, is the Spirit moves as the Spirit wills. And the Spirit fills out the body. And it's the Spirit that brings forth gifts in people. And people that preach, if they're preaching the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will bring forth the gifts in people. Sure, sure. Right? People don't have to be given like an order, right? Or something written on a wall telling them they have to go do this. The Spirit will quicken inside of them. A desire. The spirit will come and arrest each person by the love of God. And out of that love they feel will come forth yes. things. Okay. Right? So yes. we're not trying to now establish something where we're giving people an excuse where they can justify themselves for not preaching. Right. You don't, you're not, you can't be justified in not preaching either. That still means you're trying to be justified in other something other than Jesus. So if you haven't felt compelled by the love of God, to go minister, like preach or teach. That's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about you can't have a conversation with your friends about the love you feel from God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who fancy themselves teachers and want to get up and and teach about God. we got a whole world full of people that should not be doing that. (laughs) right? And that doesn't mean they're less valuable. It just means that's not the gift the Spirit has brought forth in them, right? You had people in Paul's day that fancied themselves teachers of the gospel, and you know what they were going around and saying? There was no physical resurrection. Okay, well, clearly they shouldn't have been talking, right? right? John, the same thing. You had people coming and saying things that life isn't found in the Father giving you life as a free gift in Jesus. Life is found in this special knowledge, and through this special knowledge, you're going to discipline yourself to do what's good and not do what's evil. And the flesh is actually evil. It's evil to have a body. Everything from the material world is evil. And now we're going to find holiness and spirituality by thinking it's all evil, right? Those people clearly shouldn't have been teaching either. But do you know what they were doing? They were teaching, right? And so their gift clearly was not to be teaching or discerning the spirit of prophecy. Sure. But if you don't feel that inside of yourself, you don't need to hear some word to feel justified. You still feel justified because God's called you son in Jesus, and he's given you of himself his life. You're justified, right? You don't need to be justified in these individual beliefs. Now we're just putting the thing straight so you can understand, right? So a relaxation can come to the members in the body, and they can be free to allow the Christ that's in them— which is them being in union with God, they're free to allow that authentic expression of God to manifest when they're in the body and as they're out in the world day to day. Mm -hmm. Like Cindy. Cindy, I mean, I think it's so awesome. After what we talked about Wednesday night, Cindy has this encounter with uh, somebody in her life. Do you want to share that or no?
1: Sure, I'll I'll share. Um, I've been going to the chiropractor for my back therapy for 17 weeks, and I've gotten to know my chiropractor quite well. I had never shared anything about Jesus with her. And and just out of the blue on Friday, I'm laying there on the table and whoosh, out it comes. I had absolutely no plan to share with her, at least not that day. And um, I shared the gospel and it was a beautiful thing. And she had told me previously that she's a Catholic that never ever goes to church. So I'm thinking, you know, she's maybe got some guilt going on you know she hasn't been going to confessional and all this stuff so anyway i shared all about that and um when i got done she gave me a great big hug Mm -hmm. which floored Mm -hmm. me because you know i didn't really expect that but um yeah i nobody told me i should and if, if i thought i was obligated to i definitely wouldn't have wanted to but it just kind of came out and it was just a beautiful thing
0: it's amazing that i didn't
1: Oh, the rest of the story?
0: Yeah, I'll, you did. Paul dash.
1: Harvey? Yeah. <laughs> well, the the other part of the story that I didn't realize until I was sitting in ladies Bible study on on Friday, I forgot that about three days prior, I had prayed and asked God if he would do something special in my life just to give me a little bit. I don't know what it was I was looking for, but just. A little extra something, you know, a little spark, a little, you know. Boost. I don't know what I was asking, but he knew. I, I just wanted something fresh, and um, and then that happened three days later, and and it was his. I feel like. It it just did something for me that, you know, I was I was happy to see that, the love of God was manifesting in my life, and to be able to share with her was really, really special. And I think as I look back years from now, I'm going to remember these certain moments where God did something really, really special, kind of like in the Old Testament when they would build a little monument of rocks. And every time they would see the rocks, they would remember the faithfulness of God. And I just feel like that this is one of those times when he answered my prayer in a really, really special way. And I just, I mean, I was flying high the whole rest of the day. Well, I think they still
0: am. <laughs> and nobody had to command you to do that. No. So the Spirit was able to move as the Spirit willed. Right. So the Spirit can actually do what needs to be done. Amen. Oh, wow. It's amazing, you know, isn't it? it but it isn't come? it isn't it beautiful? See, this is what I try to tell people. And this isn't... See, we don't want to listen to these things from the carnal mind and think, I must now go do that. Right. But I promise you, as you hear the gospel and you get caught up in your union with God, man... The most blessed thing that, that you'll experience is God pouring out of you towards somebody else. Do you know why? Because God says it's better to give than receive. He's not giving you that as a principle to work. He's not like, well, it's better to give than receive. So get out there and start giving and stop receiving. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is the joy that you feel when love comes pouring out of you
1: is magnificent. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what he's saying. Now, you can't work that. Right. But as you hear the gospel and you hear God's love for you and you get caught up in your union with God, you'll find that love coming out of you. And when you feel that love coming out of you towards another person, you're knowing God. That's
5: the word that has been on my mind for quite a long time. And it's the word overflow. And when you think about that, you can't make yourself overflow. No, nope. <laughs> you can't feel yourself and you can't make yourself so, overflow. That's so relaxed. You're going to overflow. Yeah. That's even what it means. Don't try to measure how full the cup is
0: either. Just just relax. That's what it means to be the image of God. You're an image bearer. Well, if you're an image of something, that means you're meant to be animated and filled by that which you're the image bearer of. And so you're actually designed to look like the moon would reflect the sun. The moon is not originating its own light. Neither is the moon trying to position itself. So it can manifest the light. The moon is just reflecting the light. Marie, did you?
2: I was just going to say, you know, at the kind of like the, at the risk of contradicting myself.
0: <laughs> uh, Marie, you got to sort these things out before the meeting. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: not really contradicting myself. It might sound like that. But, you know, a person who is filled with love and the spirit of God, and you know, somebody might say, you know what? We gotta cut the grass at church because it's getting too tall. <laughs> and that person say, that "You card. know what? I'll help you cut that grass." Yep. Now the issue is this: cutting the grass is not the gift.
1: <laughs>
2: it was. It is what's inside the person who says willingly, like volunteers, to do something like that. That is the gift. And so I, you know, I, I, again, we in this either or society. And it, sometimes you got to explain those things because somebody will say, "Well, I cut the grass at church, and I thought that was my gift." Right. Well, it's not the gift, <laughs> but your willingness to do such a thing may well be the gift.
0: That's why we. That's why I, I, we also don't want uncircumcision to avail. That's right. We don't want people to listen to what we're saying and say yes. that we should not minister. Right. Because inevitably, I find people don't realize it, but many times they're always looking to establish a law.
2: Yes. They're
0: always yes. looking to establish what is the right way. Right, and so the law is don't do that. Right, now the law becomes (laughs) you should minister. No, it's not the law isn't don't do that. The law law is the law of Christ, which is that justification is found in God giving you his life in that alone, right? right? It's not found in the in-between. But since you bring up the good shepherd and his sheep know his voice, Mm -hmm. I was already thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Because the voice, you know, the, the scripture, John called Jesus the word of life. When he called Jesus the word of life, what he was saying is this life that manifested in Jesus, it speaks a word. That's why he called it the word of life. Well, the the death that manifested in mankind, it was also speaking a word. And that's how you have the voice of the good shepherd and you have the voice of the stranger, right? And, and those two words are differentiated that way. And so the voice of the good shepherd, if you read what Jesus is talking about, It's that he made a sheepfold. And a sheepfold, if you go and look it up online, is this circular thing with walls and stone that protect the sheep. You hedge it about the sheep. It's like the sheep's lives are sealed by this wall. And then the only way in or out is a door. And then Jesus later comes and says, he's the door.
4: Right.
0: Right? So he's not just the sheepfold, but he's also the door. And the voice of the good shepherd is the voice that comes from the life that manifested in Jesus. And do you know what that life declares to mankind? That God has come to hedge their life about in himself. He is the the shepherd of their life. They're not a lamb being led away to the slaughter, but he has hedged them about in his life. And there's no thief or robber or wolf that can break in to steal or to hurt or to take anything from one of his sheep, right? But the voice of the stranger, do you know what the voice of the stranger says? The voice of the stranger says that you're a lamb being led away to the slaughter. You're a lamb that has no shepherd. Mm -hmm. The voice of the stranger leads you to the place where you think God isn't there with you. Just like Psalm 23 would come and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me there, O Lord. The voice of the stranger says, God is not there with you. Your life is not hedged about. Your life is not protected. You're all alone. You're all by yourself. That's the voice of the stranger. Well, the sheep, Jesus' sheep understand that's not true. How do we understand that? We understand that because the word of life that manifested in the resurrection of Jesus, do we see Jesus's life hedged about? When he was raised from the dead? Anybody think any thieves or robbers or wolves gonna come and harm Jesus' life?
3: Nope.
0: nope. Nope. So his life was shepherded. Yes. And it was shepherded to the degree that no thief or robber or wolf can do anything to harm his life. Right. That's trying to tell us something about God with us shepherding our life. Yes. Right? Jesus didn't know the voice of the stranger. Right? He didn't know the voice of the stranger. Do you know the voice of the stranger was talking on the cross? Where's your God now? If you really are the son, come down. He didn't know the voice of the stranger. He's the guy in Psalm 23 that said, you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. Yea, though I walk through a valley shadowed by death. This death is not lifted up in my heart. Hebrews would come and say that Jesus disesteemed the death of the cross for the glory that was set before him. Mm -hmm. What was the glory? The father is here with me. He prepared a table of life for me in the midst of this death, right? When the bulls of Bashan were gathered around me, mocking me and spitting on me, what was the mocking? You're not the son of God. If you're the son of God, how could you be naked dying on a cross? Because God's immortal. And if you're the son of God, you must also have to be immortal. So how can you be dying? Right? They were mocking him. And then Jesus heard the voice of the good shepherd. He didn't, he didn't know that voice. It doesn't mean to not know the voice doesn't mean you don't hear it. It means that when you hear it, you recognize that ain't the voice of the shepherd. Yep, that's right. You recognize that ain't the good shepherd. It's trying to lead me to a place where I think I lack everything. Just like the voice of the good shepherd would lead you to the place where you say you lack nothing, the voice of the stranger would try to lead you to the place where you say, I lack everything, right? I have nothing that I need that pertains to life and godliness. Yep. Whereas the voice of the shepherd would say, here I am, and you have everything that you need for life and godliness, <laughs> and nothing can separate you from what you need for life and godliness, and you, you live out that way, right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense about the the ministering, right? When we're talking about not everybody has a ministry gift, I'm talking about teaching the gospel, explaining the scriptures, right? But like what Cindy did, every single believer, that's what Peter talked about, can give a testimony of they hope they have, right? Every single believer.
6: There's a difference between (laughs) doing something and being gifted to do something. I know, like, i take music for example i love music i appreciate music i know how to tinker around with several different instruments but i'm not a musician i'm not and, and you can tell the difference i mean if if i were together with some people who who were playing or whatever i could probably get in there and go with them but it's but there's always that one guy that's just he's just gifted i mean and, you know, I think about the Hebrews where Paul told them, he said, by now you all ought to be teachers. Well, I don't think he was saying that all ought to be up in front of people teaching them. That don't mean they were gifted to be a teacher. But, you know, you there are certain aspects. You learn this stuff and eventually, yeah, I, I, I could teach it. But that doesn't mean I'm gifted to be a teacher. But going back to the, the and John about the sheepfold, because I was already thinking about that verse before Thomas brought it up. It used to confuse me because Jesus said the voice of a stranger they will not follow. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I know good and well I'm a sheep, and I know good and well there's been times I've followed the voice of a stranger. (laughs) So what's up here? we got contradiction, right? But all of a sudden it stood out to me. Jesus didn't say my sheep have heard my voice. He said my sheep hear my voice. So what are you hearing? What are you hearing? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing. So my sheep that are busy hearing my voice, then the voice of a stranger, they will not follow because that voice, it does come. And if it can get you to follow, you know, you, you go, it you it leads you out into this world of contradictions too. Cause you mentioned like Errol, if there's two different ways to work on the car, you know, which way are you gonna go with it? Well, you know, you've got some affliction come against your body, the voice of fear comes, and you're looking to have your heart settled. And if you haven't been hearing and hearing, you're going to buy into whatever voice is coming because you're wanting your heart to be settled. And so you buy into that thing. And then you find out that don't work. And then you buy into this thing. And then you buy into that thing. And the next thing you know, you're just tossed to and fro all the days of your life. Where if you have just been busy hearing, then the voice of the stranger, you would not follow. Yeah.
0: In other don't, words, uh, don't look on Google for your answers. Don't look on Google. <laughs> don't be do busy? Well, no. I, well, I mean, not Be busy don't, hearing.
1: Don't do
4: <laughs>
0: Joe, not anything
2: spiritual.
4: So, uh, I just wanted to kind of add something on what Marie said, and kind of about now again. If I'm saying this incorrectly, obviously correctly, but more of the clothing, uh like we're taking on the cloth, as in we're clothing ourselves with Jesus. um I think of that, like you were saying, warmth and some other things, but the first thing that came to me uh, was confidence, and as in, in a sense of not walking through life with confidence, I'm, I'm the best, more so of confidence in, uh, through a hard time, you know, through something that's difficult, or through a hardship, you know, because I have Jesus, I'm close with Jesus, I know that I have the confidence that I, we, you know, with God, we will get through this, you okay. know, it'll be, it'll be okay. Um, and then the other one, it was just more of a question. You, you mentioned something of uh, I think, uh, walking through life with the judgment of Christ. You said that God's word. judgment, yeah. Uh, say that again?
0: Walking through life with your life shaped by God's judgments.
4: Can you can you elaborate on Not that? Not your
0: own. Well, I mean, we, we walk around making conclusions about the things that happen in our lives and what they mean, right? So things happen to you on a daily basis. You encounter things that happen to you. And then you make decisions about what those things mean right what i'm talking about is recognizing that we're making decisions about what things mean and many times we have no idea right and to hear the voice of god saying who told you before you make a decision about what something means like for instance we see people do something we don't just decide they did something we decide what it means that they did it well who told you right there's a big difference between somebody seeing somebody did something and then deciding what it means that they did it, or what was going on inside of them that the they did it, yeah. right? And so we get into judging all sorts of things and not understanding what's going on inside of them. Jesus on the cross is a perfect example, right? These dudes are nailing him to a tree. So he, he, he didn't just judge that these guys are nailing me to a tree. He could see into their heart, right? We, we are like that. When people... If someone does something harmful to us, we don't just say they did something harmful. We decide what it means that they did it. We make a judgment about what's in them, and we make a judgment about what's in us when it happens. That's when we get into big trouble. Whereas we want to hear the voice of God saying, who told you? Right, And then we stop, and we come to the place where, which is the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord, where you decide, I got no idea what's going on in them i don't even know what's going on in me i hate to break it to every single person in here but your life will be much better off if you realize you got no clue what's going on in you no human does that's why we need it god that's why it says that the heart of a human being is deceitful it means it can deceive itself and so we don't know what's going on in ourselves much less in other people but we're all the time getting to the place where we judge what's going on in them Why they do what they do, why they said what they said, what does it mean about us, what does it mean about them? And in that respect, primarily, you want to hear the voice of God. Who told you, right? Who told you? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. right. Like Jesus, most people, if we were being nailed to a tree, how many of us do we think we would say, Oh, they don't know what they're doing? (laughs) How many of us do you think would say, Oh, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing? Most of us wouldn't just say they're nailing us to a tree we would immediately conclude something horrible about them and we'd get off into some long dissertation about what type of a despicable people they were yep. right well why didn't jesus do that he well he looked beyond just what was out, outwardly manifesting right yes um do you guys mind if i pray for your son if i pray for y'all does that make you uncomfortable you can say no
4: Oh, me? Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 when you pointed at me, I, I didn't know you were pointing exactly at yeah, have. I don't want to yeah, make
0: you uncomfortable, day. so please say no. I don't want you praying yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah. i just this whole time been feeling to pray for, for no, you guys. Well. You guys mind real quick? Cool. Glory no. to God. Nathan. Lathen? Nathan? I was about to say, remind me of the same. Uh,
1: yeah, Lathen. like Nathan, but just
0: with an L. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you Father, for Nathan. I just thank you,
4: Lord, that
0: even now you are appearing to Nathan and that he can see you in his heart. I thank you, Lord, that he sees your faithfulness, that he sees a light shining from you. I thank you, Lord, that that image that he sees of you right now will sustain his life, (laughs) that his life will be built upon your faithfulness towards him, that he will not forget the glory that he sees in you. I just thank you, Lord, that that Heather and Joe's house is fathered by you, that it's mothered by you, that Jehovah will walk with you, and that his house will be bothered by his relationship with you. I just thank you, Lord, that, that Heather is walking with you, and that the spirit of the comforter is manifesting in her, and that the comfort will be manifested in her house. That There will be a comfort that this house is built upon, that Layton will grow up in a house that is just filled with comfort and filled with your strength, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for the, the stability that will manifest in their lives and in his life. And I thank you, Lord that he will live all his days, seeing that you love him. Thank
6: you, Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.
6: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Can
1: you see how he's looking
0: at so cute. Glory to God. Does anybody have anything else they want to add or say? Anyone?
3: I remind myself, I will never leave you for safety. So here's I I remind myself. Like yesterday, um, I said to Jill, we're going to go cut the lawn. Let us cut the lawn. Is so yeah. that Jill's gift? <laughs> so as I'm cutting, as I'm cutting the lawn, it's really hot, and there was a nice breeze all of a sudden. And I looked up in the trees, and the, the Spanish moss was flying. And the, the the fish were jumping out of the water, and there was a egret there, and, and I stopped the lawn, I just was looking and he and I said, Wow, let us enjoy this. And, I, and <laughs> it, it just came to me that. we're just enjoying, you know, when uh Jay fixed his boat and they said, Oh, we got to go out in the boat. Let us go enjoy the boat. Yeah. You know, that he, he he that's his desire, you know, like like Heather to, to take care of that beautiful baby. You know, he wants to be such a part of our life. That's why he Created
4: us. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, that's
0: pretty much eleven thirty.
3: It's pretty much lunchtime.
0: Pretty so cool. man, we wish you guys that are online potent. were here with us. But <laughs> if since you can't be here with us, man, think about coming to Branson. And you'll sit with all of us in Branson November 2nd through the 5th in Branson. It starts Thursday night. It ends Sunday morning. We'll have uh, lunch and dinner provided by the, the church Friday and Saturday. We'll have group um, discussion after the morning sessions. We'll have group ministry after the evening sessions. We'll have live worship. We have Barthi Brits ministering. We have Rick Sarver. We have Gwen McLeod. We have Linda McFarland. Um, we have Phalem. Who do we have, Cindy? Phalem. We have Phalem, Um <laughs> And we have myself, and we have everybody coming together from all around the world. So if you can be there November 2nd. Through the fifth, one body braided together. You can find it on uh, Eventbrite and register. And man, we'd love to see you. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to hug you. We'd love to eat with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to minister with you. And uh, come hang out. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Y'all come back now you're here. (laughs) Oh, Jim says we are on tomorrow morning.
1: Okay. Oh, Reese, was that the voice of experience well, I don't know. You, right, yeah. a, you really worried about oh, the grass
4: yeah.
3: <laughs>